Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Let's get into the word this morning. Amen. Are we ready for the word? This year we have declared, of course, like we've said, and, and probably we sound like a broken record, but we want it to sink in. We want it to be very clear um, so that as we move on with the year, at least at the back of our minds, we have this um, um, in mind. Amen. Amen. Uh, we have declared that we shall see the glory of the Lord. We shall see the glory of the Lord. Because you and I, uh, the Bible shows us uh, that we have been created. We have been created, which is going to be our primary focus for the next couple of months, which is our first time uh, just putting emphasis on the fact that when God created us, he created us for glory, not for shame, uh, not for, um, you know, <sighs> to be obscure, um, to be overlooked, but God created us for glory so that we can shine, so that we can be visible, and so that we can have impact in the worlds where he has positioned us, Bazalwani. Amen. And, and for the month of January, we've been focusing on the theme, see the glory. See the glory, which has got to do with developing a vision for a glorious life and destiny. Amen. The first Sunday, we preached on um, the subject, the, the message titled, What Do You See? Right? Amen. And the second Sunday, how many of you can remember what did we preach on? Yeah. A clear vision. Amen. A clear vision. By the way, I'm being persecuted. I wanted to report here at church, and it must be known that I'm being persecuted greatly for preaching that message. Amen. Um, because apparently... Many people um, are frustrated by it. <laughs> oh, I love it when that happens. Amen. And last week we preached. It was a family first Sunday. Last week was it was just mind blowing. Amen. And and we are so grateful. And um, and we preached on a subject: a covenant house. Amen. But this Sunday morning, we want to minister on a subject, who do you see? It is not only about what do you see in order for you to develop a vision for your life and destiny, but it is also important, uh, who do you see? What are you focusing on? Who do you see? Do you see an old man in you, that is, or the new man or woman in Christ? Do you see Jesus or do you see the world? Who do you see? Did I tell you, turn to your neighbor already? Let's do it one more time. Turn to your neighbor and say, who do you see? Answer back to them and say, I see you. Let's jump to James chapter number one, the book of James chapter number one. You know, English uh, messed me up here, Mazelwane. It, it, it actually um, uh, tempered with my opportunity to have a book in the Bible named after me. Because in Africans, this book is Jacob, Jacob, or something to that effect. But when, when it comes to English, then Barry James. In Zulu, it's also Jacob and Nasis Zulu. I mean, why? Why did English have to say James? I was going to preach from this book every Sunday. <laughs> book of Jacob. Then it makes sense. I don't see James, I see Jacob. Yeah, I see Jacob. Verse number 22, it says, But be doers of the word. Amen. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. 
not hearers only. Because before you can do the word, you must hear it. But don't hear only. Be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It simply means if you hear and you don't do, you are deceiving yourself. Right? Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man, take note, observing his natural face in a mirror. In a mirror. For he observes himself or herself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. In other words, when he looked at himself. Right? And immediately forgets what kind of a man he was, or a woman he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, a doer of the work. This one, it says, will be blessed in what he does. See how easy it is to get the blessing of God in what you are doing. It's just by simply doing the word. Somebody puts it this way. Do not do something and get God to bless it. Simply do what he has told you to do and he's going to bless it. Do what God has already decided to bless. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word, the reading of your word this morning. We pray that you may speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You and I, as we are sitting here under the sound of my voice, Bazolane, we, we, we all had what we can call a, a true and an original identity, which we have derived from God. We did not derive, take note, this identity from this world. Even when our parents named us, that was not, or that is not our true and original identity. I know that some of us, we have been given names depending on the conditions uh, in which we were born or under which we were born. Uh, there, there, are, there are people who are named Dikeledi. Uh, there are people who are named Mapule, uh, Mat. Yeah, Matlakala. I don't know why. I don't know why would somebody do uh, do that. <laughs> uh, you know, there are people who are named Jacob. Um, and 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 the weirdest thing about me is that my mom's name is Rebecca. If if you get it, you get it. But if you don't get it, forget about it. Amen. Um, um, and, and there's a meaning to that name as well. And it depends on situations. I mean, you know, Jabez, you know. Uh, but, but there is a true and original identity that we, we, we carried and we derived it from God. Not even from uh, situations or circumstances, good or bad. Uh, whether you have something good going in your life. Um, uh, our identity cannot be derived from it. It's a very dangerous thing to do, uh, to derive your identity from things that um, um, are going good in your life because the day they, they go south, um, then it is going to tamper with your identity, especially if you have derived it from, from those particular things. Does, does that make sense? In other words, if you uh, depend on your car to feel good about yourself, the day you lose that car, you are no longer going to feel good about yourself. Does that make sense? So that's why then God, before we were even born, before we even owned anything, I like the attitude of Job when he says, I came into this world empty and I will return empty. And that does not mean he's a nobody, but it simply means that God, he says, he puts it this way uh, to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, before you were even formed in, in your mother's womb, he says, I knew you. In other words, there was a, an identity 
that was already on you. He says, I ordained you a, a prophet. Already there was assignment. There was purpose. Uh, in other words, it does not matter what happens when you are born. It does not matter what you go through. But there's already a, a something that has been put on you that is going to stay with you forever. And, and you need to always depend. And that's why there and there, you know, Jeremiah um, even challenges God on that. And he says to God, God, um, how can you even call me for, for, for such great things? Because look at me, I can't even talk, I'm young. And, and, and God says to him, do not say that about yourself. Because in other words, as much as God had great things in store for Jeremiah, but Jeremiah did not see himself well. He did not see himself the way that God um, uh, saw him. So it's very much important for us to understand the background because even when, uh, when it comes to uh, 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 who we are in God, in Christ, it's not only for the, for the purposes of um, uh, um, being identified in a group. It's, it's also for the purposes of description. God describes our assignment, the purpose. What he calls us is directly connected to assignment and purpose that he has given unto us. The, the Bible puts it this way in Genesis 1 and verse number 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. That's where we are deriving our identity from. Uh, uh, God made us. He created us, but he made us in his image. And then he says, according to um, our, our likeness. And, and, and I must emphasize it, Bazalwane, as early as now, that this does not uh, mean that, you know, God looks like us, but we, we, we look like him. So we don't have to look at us in order for us to see how God looks like, but we have to look at God in order for us to know how do we look like, or are we supposed to look like? Does that, does that make sense? It does not mean that God, uh, you know, has a stature like we have. But it simply means then we need to go back to the Bible and, and find out, God, you know, who are you? So that we can know the image that he has created us in and the likeness uh, that we have, which comes from God, by the way, which comes uh, uh, from God. Uh, I, I have to emphasize, make sure that whatever it is that God gives to you, do not derive your identity from, from it. Uh, make sure that whatever it is that happens in your life, whether good or bad, do not derive your identity from it. It's very important. Now, 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 the Bible tells us, number one, that God is spirit. God is spirit. In the book of John chapter number four, God is spirit. So, so, so when the Bible talks about the image and the likeness of God that we have, number one, primarily we need to understand that if the Bible says God is spirit, it simply means not primarily we are spirit, Right? That is, that is our, 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 our true identity. What, what you see on the outside is not necessarily me, but this is where I stay. Yeah. This is where I reside. Does that make sense? Yeah. In the same way that I, when I visit you at home and I see your house, that's not you, but that's where you stay. So, so, so if I look cute like I am, On the outside, but that's not the real me. The real me is on the inside. That's why Paul then puts it this way. Make sure that, uh, you know, as much as you take care of yourself on the outside and you look beautiful, make sure that even on the inside, you are going to look beautiful. Because I don't want to be attracted by, the, by what I see on the outside only to find that what is on the inside does not correspond with what is on the outside. Because when you marry a person, you are not marrying their body, but you marry their soul. You will have to deal with their soul more than you deal with their body. We can close and go home. That's why I always say that, you know, marriage will always take after the nature of your soul. Eesh. 
but 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 when God is is spirit, the Bible also speak about the spirit of God as the spirit of glory. So if we are made in His image and likeness, and He is spirit according to John four, but according to First um, Peter, He is the spirit of glory. This tells us therefore that we were created by glory, with glory, and for glory. We, we have the spirit of glory on the inside of us that when God breathed his breath of life into this container called the body, he imparted glory in us. And that sort of defined us. It defined who we are. In other words, from day one, we uh, displayed the glory of God. From day one, any other creature, when it looks at us, it was supposed to see the glory of God. In other words, when we wake up early in the morning, just like the rest of creation, the Bible tells us that day unto day utters speech, right? It talks about how um, everything that is in this world, how it displays the glory of God. So even us as human beings, if I interact with another human being, I, I am supposed to see the glory of God. I'm supposed to experience another aspect of the glory of God. Are we together, Bazalan? Now, 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 uh, unfortunately, uh, at some point, therefore, after creation, we, we lost that glorious image and identity. And, and we were left with what we can call a false identity. We were, it's identity, but it's false. It's identity, but it's distorted. It's identity, but it's not the original one. We, we lost that glorious image and identity, and we were left with what the enemy said about us and, and, and the, we were left with that identity that the enemy gave to us and not only the enemy but the world we found ourselves living in, we, we were left with that identity. In other words, what my friends say, uh, what the circumstances are saying, what my family background is saying, uh, what uh, whatever it is is saying, then we were left with that kind of identity. And I'm sure we all know, Barcelona, we all know that, that that was because of sin. Romans 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we were downgraded. Our identity was tempered with. When sin came in through Satan, of course, our identity, our glorious identity was tempered with. And Satan through sin turned us into what and who we are not. He, he, he sold us a false identity and caused us to believe that that is who we are. And, and, and we took it. We, we ran with it. That's why some of us, we even say that this is how I was born. Because that is the lie that the devil has sold us so that we can accept our poverty, uh, accept our brokenness, uh, accept lack in our lives, accept failure, uh, and think that this is how God has created us. I always say to, to people, you know, when we are dealing with the subject of poverty, and, and I always emphasize that poverty is never God's will for your life. And somebody will say to me, but you know, Jesus said, the poor you will have always. And my response to that is, it does not have to be you. As soon as you become a child of God, that changes your story. There will always be sinners around the world. It does not have to be you. It depends on what is it that you are willing to embrace. So through sin, we were sold this lie, given this false identity, and, and, and Satan put us in the world where he is in charge. He, he covered our, our, our faces so that we don't see who we truly are. How God has originally created us. Are we together, Bazalan? And who we should be or we can be in Christ. 
Christ who is the image of God uh, uh, who originally created us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 puts it very beautifully. It says, whose minds the God of this world. Who is that God of this world? It is Satan. He controls uh, systems of this world where, 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 where many uh, of, of us, we spend our time. So he's in charge. And that is the world we were delivered from when we became born again. But the Bible tells us that Satan there, he has blinded people. And, and, and it says, those who do not believe, take note, those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That's a very profound statement. Number one, the primary reason why Satan does not want people to be saved it is so that the reason why he does not want them to believe in Jesus Christ, he does not want them to see the light that comes from the glory of God because somehow it is going to remind them of the image and the likeness that they were created in. Because once we become exposed to that image, then we are going to be changed and transformed back to it. And we are going to live in our original purpose with which God has created us. Are we here, Bazalwan? So that's why then he blinds people. We try to preach. So when we are preaching the gospel, we are declaring the light of the glory of Christ so that it can shine on people, so that eyes may be opened. That's why Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, he says, to open up the blinded eyes. He was not just referring to physical eyes. We know that he opened those as well, but mainly he was talking about how we were blinded not to see the light that shines uh, on Jesus. But take note, it says this light or this glory that shines, it, it, it is the glory of the image of God. So in other words, Jesus came to simply give us that image that we were created with and we received from God. And when we see Jesus, we are supposed to be reminded of that image so that we can get back to our original identity. That's why Satan does not want us to believe because when we believe, our eyes are going to be opened and we are going to, to, to escape. But, but here it is, Basil, and the unfortunate part is that we have, even when we became Christians, we did not become intentional with our relationship with God. That's why after we are born again, it must not stop there. After we are saved, we, we must not stop there. I always tell people salvation is not an end in itself but it is the means to an end. Once we become born again, like we are saying in our mandate, we have got to unveil the gospel. When we unveil the gospel, the Bible puts it this way, let the entrance of your word bring light and understanding. So in other words, the more I look at the word of God, the, the more I listen to the word of God, the more I study the word of God, the more the light will shine. And when the light shines, my eyes are opened and I begin to notice a, a, a discrepancy between where I am and where I should be. I begin to notice a discrepancy between who I currently am and the one that I continue to see being revealed through the Holy Scriptures. And, and the more I focus on that, the more the gap is going to close and I am going to take that image. But the unfortunate thing, like I said, some of us, we, we have believed uh, and we have owned or we have taken that false identity. Many of us, we struggle so much to break away from that false identity that we've lived with for so many different years. My, my, my issue always be about being a, a born again only at the age of 21 is that I lived with a false identity for 21 years. That it can only take the power of God to break me away uh, uh, from that kind of an identity because it becomes so so difficult all of a sudden to walk away from that person. That's why baptism is critical in a life of a believer because baptism simply means it's a ceremony that 
buries the old man. It, it buries that false identity that you owned for so many years. And when you are being baptized, the Bible says we are buried with Christ. And then we are raised with him so that we can walk in the newness of life. That is what it actually means. So when we are getting baptized, we are officially saying, I am walking away from that false identity. I am walking away from who I am not, but who I thought I was all along. Because if I do not do that from time to time, my old identity will come running after me to try and check whether or not I know that is not who I am or I will actually still believe that actually that is the real me and I need to be me. Because many of us, that's why I said a couple of weeks ago, we have got to be careful with the statement, I am going to choose me. I am going to own my truth because this is where like the children of Israel after they walked away from Egypt walking away from that false identity of becoming slaves in Egypt when they are in the middle of it the devil gives them a smell of where they are coming from just to see whether or not have they embraced their new identity but what did they do they were reminded they wanted to go back they said to Moses you brought us here to suffer because they did not want to embrace the change that they were experiencing because God was taking them away from who they thought they were all along, taking them, but they were caught in between. And that's our dilemma as Christians, that while we are in the process of transformation, we want to re-embrace the man who was crucified and buried in Christ and he resurrects and he comes and we want to go back and take that man and we say, I choose me, that's my truth. And we are listening to that old man who is busy lying to us and say, but this is who you are. This is the real you know. My brother, my sister, I am begging you. I am praying that you have got to make sure that you are not going to look at the wrong person and embrace them. It is important who do you see. Are you going to look at the old man that you used to be or are you going to look at the new man, the new person that Jesus Christ keeps on revealing to you each and every day that when we are reading the scripture, the Bible simply tells us that when I am reading the scriptures, I am not just reading for knowledge, but I am looking at myself in a mirror. In other words, the Bible is responsible to show me who I am. Am, who I really am, my true identity each and every day, the Bible gives me an assignment to walk in alignment with my new identity. So in other words, when I walk away and I go to do what the word tells me to do, I am simply conforming to the image that is revealed in the scriptures. In other words, after I read the scripture, I go back to my same situation that I, walk, I walked away from. But when the Holy Spirit reminds me of what I have seen in the world. In other words, I will reject anything that is, that is opposing everything that I saw in the world. So when the word tells me I am blessed and I walk back to the situation that tells me I am cursed. I am not going to embrace the curse, but I'm going to remember that I am blessed. And what do I do? I declare the blessing of God upon my life. I begin to say that no man can curse what God has blessed. I begin begin to say about myself the blessing of the Lord is upon my life the blessing that makes rich and earth no sorrow in other words when I look at the word and the word tells me that Jesus Christ took away my poverty hung on the cross so that I can become rich and I go back to my poverty I don't embrace the poverty I refuse to accept because that is who I used to be I refer back to the word and I begin to declare that poverty has been dealt away with and I refuse to be poor. I will never die poor. Maybe I'm experiencing some form of poverty right now but that is not who I am. That is not how I'm going to die. I declare I am blessed. I declare I have the favor of God upon my life. I declare the hand of God is upon my life. I'm going to prosper. I'm going to break out of these situations sooner or later as I conform to the image that is revealed in the scriptures in my life. As I conform 
conform to that image. My circumstances will have to conform. My situations will have to conform. For now, they are still struggling to accept that this person is no longer who. Oh, my goodness. So in other words, each and every day, I take a step to go closer and closer to who God says I am. I am not down and out. I am not broke. I am not defeated. I am not a person without purpose and destiny. I am called for great things. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am blessed going in and I am blessed going out. You better be careful what you say after you have said I am. Take the cue from Jesus. He said I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the light of this world. You better be careful what you say immediately when you say maybe maybe it's good when you say I am tired but stop saying I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I'm so broke that I cannot even afford anything. Be careful because what you say about yourself the demons are listening. Situations and circumstances are listening. Your background is listening. Your false identity is listening. You might have failed but that's not who you are. You might not have succeeded in one area in your life but that's not who you are. You better look at the word and embrace what the word says about you. I might have failed. That's not my identity. I might have experienced poverty. I, that's not my identity. That's not who God says I am. Because in Jesus, Amen. our image is being restored. So who are you going to embrace? Who are you going to look at? Who are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus the, on the lying Jacob? Failed Jacob. Poor Jacob. Unrighteous Jacob. Womanizing Jacob. Are you going to look at that one? Or are you going to look at the one? That God continues to show you this is who you are. This is who you are in me. Because when we go to Christ, our identity, true identity, is being restored each and every day. The Bible is very clear, Barcelona, that when we come to Christ, we come to be restored. And, and part of what is going to be restored, it is our identity in him and i know that whenever um something is is being restored remember the bible tells us that when christ came the bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost the assignment is very clear john 10 verse 10 the thief does not come except to kill to steal and to destroy what does that mean it simply means if he cannot kill you he will steal from you and 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 most of us he steals our joy he steals our peace and 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 most and and even 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 more so he steals our identity he tells you that's not you when you are trying to be holy before god and be righteous the devil says that's not you That's why many of us, we end up saying, I choose me. Because we have forgotten what we saw when God was speaking to us. And we allow Satan to speak. We allow the world. Listen, many of us as Christians, we lose our identities at the altar of acceptance. At the altar of fear of rejection. You will end up losing your identity because you want your friends in the world to accept you. To give you space. That's why the Bible advises us that you cannot love God and be a friend of the world because it's going to confuse your identity. God will tell you one thing about you and the world will tell you the other about you. That's how God created me. No. It's what the world tells you. The world tells you that's how God created you. But if you can stay with God long enough, you will realize that that's not who I am. But this is who I have accepted to be. 
Because this is what the world insists I must be. Who are you? When you look at yourself, who do you see? Who do you see? The situations you've gone through, 2023, do you still see them in you? Or is this new year? New me? But many of us, you still see yourself through the lens of all your failures of 2023. That's why many of us, we are, we are, we are going to struggle to see the glory of God. Because we are looking at the wrong person. We are focusing on the wrong person. So God is restoring our identity when we come to Christ. And all that is left is for us to see ourselves as he sees us. When God restores, he brings back what was lost, what was stolen, what we have forfeited. He brings it back in greater quality, quantity, and kind. So not only will he bring back our identity, but he brings it back with purpose, with assignment, with destiny. He throws us into the deep of now understanding why do we exist. Have you ever been in a season in your life where all of a sudden everything around you begins to make sense? Billboards are now talking to you. Before that, it used to be just a billboard. But all of a sudden, just a simple sentence hits deep into your soul. Because God now wants to speak purpose into your life. Why do you exist? We were not born for censors. But we were born for purpose and assignment. We come as we are to God. But we do not remain as we are. God loves us as we are. And we don't have to change in order for God to love us. But he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Christianity, Barcelona, is about transformation. It is about taking a different or a new form. It is about being changed. Being transformed. We change cause. We, we don't become Christians and remain the same. Romans 12 verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We were not born, born to conform. We were not saved to conform, especially to this world, but we were born again to be transformed. Are we here? Who are we as I close? Who are we? What is it that God says about you and I. There are many things in the scripture and the list I'm going to give to you is endless. I mean, it's, it's not complete. It's not a comprehensive list. But I'm just going to give you a few just, just for the purposes of our presentation this morning. Number one, who are we? Number one, simple thing. We are new creatures in Christ. He who is in Christ is a new creature. It continues to say, That's what the Bible says. And, and that's the part we struggle it with, Barcelon. You see, when I was saying, So anything that has happened a second ago, it does not matter what happened when you came in here. It does not matter what you've done last year. It does not happen. In other words, each and every second is an opportunity to turn a new page in your life. And then it says, beggar, see, see. And all that we have to do is to embrace the new. I'm a new creature in Christ and that's what I need to embrace. Listen, the devil is going to try to remind you of the former things. 
He's going to try and remind you. Listen, the best way of killing guilt, shame of the past, it is to confess it to God. Because once you confess it to God, He does not cover it. He wipes it away with the blood of Jesus Christ. He throws it into a sea of forgetfulness. Even when you are going to try and remind God of something that he has forgiven, he is not going to know it. Because when he looks at you, he's seeing somebody new. He's not going to deal with you according to what has happened yesterday. He's dealing with you according to what is happening from now onwards. That's why he says today is the day of salvation. It does not matter what happens. He says, bring them as they are. He says, come let us reason together because he wants you to live in, in the now, not in your past. He forgives our past. He wipes it, gives us a clean sheet, clean slate to build from. Sometimes I say, if you are a Christian, if you are saved, you are born again, take note, you are a new creature. 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 You have a new name. You have a new identity. You are a new person. You have an opportunity to start or to begin a new life. That's why even when he took out the children of Israel from Egypt, he told them that this month shall be the, the month of your new beginnings. So when we are saved, it's not just a religious ritual. But God deals with identity. He deals with he deals with assignment. He repositions us. He sets us up for greater things that are ahead of us. That's why at the beginning of this year we said your glory days are not behind you. But your glory days are right in front of you. So if you allow God to renew you according to this new image that he has given you. And you begin to see yourself. The way that God sees you, a new creature. Amen. Tell the devil, tell the world, that's not me. Yeah. That's not me. As a matter of fact, tell them, it was when I did not know me. That's why I behaved like that. That's why I did all of those things. That's when I did not know about me. But now, that God has introduced me to me. I'm, work, I'm walking in purpose. I'm walking in assignment. Number two, you are a child of God. What manner of love is this, the Bible says, that we can be called the children of God. The Bible says, Jesus Christ, when we believed in him, he gave us power to become the children of God. You are a child of God. Listen. You are a child of God. You carry the DNA of God. Amen. In other words, everything that God is, you have a potential to become. Amen. When you are born again, you believed in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. And, and many of us, we have got, look, maybe to some, this might not mean anything, right? If you are like me, and you're asking me who's my father, my natural father, uh, my late natural father, uh, Josiah Zamanimsipa. That's, that's who my father is. And, 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 and that deals with me up to a certain level, right? But if I were to wake up, and for whatever reason, it's a very silly example I'm going to make, but I'm going to make it anyway because my mom is not here. And if for whatever reason my mom wakes up one morning and she comes and she says to me, you know what, I did not tell you all along, but your father is Petrus Motsipi. I'm going to say what? Forget about everything. Forget about the fact that you did not tell me for the past 40 something years. You said, who's my father? 
And already that is going to do something. The way that I'm going to look at myself is going to change. The, the way that I care, and I'm going to ask him this one thing. Is he away that I am his son? And then she will say to me, I just actually got off the phone with him. He was actually telling me, telling me that, you know what, now that the person I thought was my dad is gone, we need to fix this thing. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Even in his own house, when I walk in, I'm going to walk in with certain confidence. You say, what? When I walk in, when I see a car, I'll be like, that's mine. When I see a couch, I'll be like, that's mine. When I see groceries, I'll be like, that's mine. So, so when the Bible says you are a child of God, you are a child of God already, that is, some, that is supposed to do some, I wonder in Delmas, what example am I going to use because my mom will be in attendance. God, give me another example. I must not use that one because it does not matter whether I am 40-something years, that woman can still rebuke me, huh? She still calls me by name. You? Yeah, when she calls and she says, Jacob, I know. Yeah. But when the Bible says I'm a child of God, my goodness, the way that I look at myself needs to change. In, in other words, it says, I have God on my corner. And if God be for me, who can be against me? In other words, if the world is standing against me, it does not matter as long as I have God on my son, on my side. The father of the fatherless, the husband to the widows. He is my God. He is my father. And if I am a child of God, the Bible says I am the righteousness of God. In other words, everything that God is, I have potential to become. And I have the righteousness of God. If God is holy, I am holy. If God is powerful, I am powerful. If God is righteous, I am righteous. Everything that God is, I have a potential to become if I embrace it. That's my identity. That's who I am. So, I listen to Christian artists or Christian people when they are being interviewed and when they ask them, so tell us, your, tell us about yourself. Who are you? And they say, first of all, I'm a child of God. Born again child of God. And, but in most cases, as they say their, that statement, their demeanor and the way that they carry themselves in general does not agree with that statement. As soon as I say I'm a child of God, I need to be aware. Because everything my father is and what he stands for and what he represents, I need to make sure that I, as I carry his name, I don't compromise him. Amen. That's why sometimes we will never know the name of President Cyril Ramaphosa's son because each time they write about him, they will say President Cyril Ramaphosa's child. Because they're always connecting it to the real power. It's not about what he has done or the, the son of the, it's like the, there are people in clubs every day. Oh, are you worried about the next statement I'm about to say? <laughs> there are people in clubs every day. But this time around, the president's son stepped into a club. It became an issue. Okay. When I go to the, it's not an, oh, well, at least me, I'm um, <laughs> If Sviso walks into a car, it's not an issue. <laughs> but if he walks in, they will say, remember I said Builders Church. Yeah. Yeah. When everybody else steps in, it's not an issue. Yeah. So where you come from, whatever name you carry, it needs to influence and impact your day-to-day -day decisions. 
I'm a new creature. I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. Let's bring it home. Remember we said we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Remember we said when God restores our identity, not only does he do that, but he tops it up with purpose, with assignment, so that as I continue, I now understand the reason why I need to carry myself like this is because of purpose. It's because of assignment. It's because of destiny. It's because of where God is taking me. Here's how I put it. Where I am at the moment, it's no longer even about me anymore. I'm going to say it one more time. Where I am at the moment, it's no longer even about me anymore. It's about purpose. It's about assignment. What does that mean? It simply means if I falter, there is a lot at stake. If I falter, there is a lot at stake. There is a lot. It's whether I like it or not. What does that mean? It's not even about me anymore. I am no longer even living for me. The decisions I make are not even linked just to my... Listen, if I can wake up tomorrow and falter and do something crazy, God forbid, God will forgive me. My relationship with him can be restored just like this. At the moment of repentance, my relationship with him is going to be fine. Hey. And it's not even an issue of forgiving me, but it's also about how many will decide to leave God. Because of my action. Okay, let me break it down. Jesus puts it this way. Jesus puts it this way. It will be better for me, for a milestone, to be put around my neck and to be thrown into the ocean than for him to deal with me for messing with his flock. I, I said this to my wife the other day. I said, there are moments in life where God would rather lose you than assignment. <laughs> that when God realizes that purpose is a stake, that the agenda that he is busy with is at stake. Yeah. He would rather compromise me. Not to take me to hell. Yeah. No. But to save his assignment from me. Yeah. By just simply bringing me home early. Yeah. I mean, the, the moments where God will give me an example. He will say, here. Yeah, I was just saving purpose. The assignment. We're bringing it home. We're bringing it home. We're bringing it home. I, I was hoping to end on a very yeah note. So in order for us to see the glory of God, Bazalwane, we need to see ourselves as God sees us. Build this church. We need to see ourselves as co-laborers with God. Those who are here for purpose, for assignment. Those who are here to build. Those who are here for the mandate. It's part of our new person in Christ. It, 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 it's connected to assignment. Why? Why did God go through the trouble of saving you? 
take note and bringing you to church it's not for censors it's not so much so that we as builders church can say we have so many members but it is so that God was not just looking for a church member in you God was looking for a builder you, you maybe, maybe when you get home you will understand God was looking for a partner God was looking for somebody that let us hold hands together I have an assignment in other words when God was saving me as Jacob Msipa 813 Villagazi Street at Delmas God was not just saving me just for heaven but there was assignment attached to my salvation when God was saving me in 1999 on the 27th of October October. God was looking on at a Sunday somewhere on the 28th of January in 2024 that there will be somebody sitting in that service and if they have to hear what I have to put in your spirit I have to start a work in you now I have got to save you now I have got to cause you to read certain books go through certain season for you to have a particular message because there are people I am going to put together not so much so that they can just be church members but I am looking for a company of people that through them they are going to beget many through the gospel that when you teach them that when you train them that they are going to hear it better from you in other words when God was saving you he was looking for somebody who will be able to unveil the gospel to someone else that not only will I lead you to Christ but I am going to give you understanding concerning this gospel I am going to hold you by the hand I am going to disciple you in other words God was looking for a generation that is going to fulfill the great commission go ye therefore into the world in other words God was saying maybe someone else is not going to ask them but I know that you will ask them to go to the highways and the byways you are going to ask them to go and invite you are going to ask them to go and preach you are going to ask them to go and disciple. I need you now, but I need you for then. Therefore, he is going to order my steps. He is going to determine where I go, where I sit for the sake of assignment. In other words, when God was saving you and I, he was looking at the church he's supposed to build. He was looking at those who are going to baptize many. He was looking for those who are not going to compromise the quality of the great commission. He was going to look, he was looking for those who are going to say, even though it's no longer popular to baptize, we are going to baptize anyway. Even though it's not easy to disciple, we are going to disciple anyway. Even when we're in a world that refuses to be discipled Christians who refuses to be discipled but we are going to insist on discipling we are going to insist on discipling we are going to insist on baptizing we are going to insist in other words God was looking for leaders those who are going to stand side by side with him that as I build my church I am not going to do it alone I am not even though I have the capacity to do it alone but I choose not to do it alone but I need a place where I am going to raise up leaders I need a place where I'm going to raise up shepherds I am looking for a place where the ministry of building the church is not just going to be through one man but it is going to be through the company of builders through a people who are saying if you can use anything Lord you can use me I am here to do the work of the ministry I am here not just to be a member but I am here to build I am here to beget I am here to unveil I am here to initiate I am here to lead I am here to equip and to delegate I am not just here to be a spectator I am here to participate I am here to be a co-laborer and as I behold myself in the mirror of God's way the word of God is going to tell me you are a wise master builder you carry the grace you carry the anointing to arise and build and therefore for as long as I am here I am going to build for as long as I am here I am here 
to fulfill mandate. Remember, Barcelona, it says this. When you look at yourself, let's stand, I'm, clo- I'm, I'm closing, let's stand. When you look at yourself in the mirror of God's word and you go and you do not do what it tells you, it simply means you have forgotten. You are, you are walking away from your identity. You are walking away from who you can potentially be. You see, when you miss the opportunity to be led, to be shepherded, you are compromising your identity. You are compromising the assignment of you yourself one day becoming a leader. Of you, because you cannot shepherd anyone unless you are shepherded. You cannot lead anyone unless you are, lead, you are being led. You cannot be under anyone unless you yourself. You cannot have people under you unless you yourself, you are under somebody. Amen. So many of us, there is a lot that God wants to do in and through us. Amen. And if you are a member of this church, let me tell you, not only are you a Christian, but you are a builder. You have a mandate. This, when, when, when we say this church has a mandate, we are not talking about these walls. We are saying each one of us, we have a mandate to preach the gospel and beget many. In other words, all of us, we're supposed to know how to preach the gospel. And when I say know how to preach the gospel, I don't mean hold the mic, scream at the top of your voice. I simply mean I need to know how to tell somebody what, who Jesus is, what he has done for them so that they can be saved. In other words, I also need to know how to disciple somebody and explain to them what it means to be born again, what it means to be saved. In other words, if I don't know that yet, I need to subject myself to that process of being discipled, of being taught so that I can know and understand. And so that I can be able to make others understand. So you and I, we have that assignment to co-labor with Jesus. To build his church. So when we are singing, build your church, Jesus. We, that's how we need to see ourselves. Because that's who we are. Listen, Barcelona, we are not called to compete with any other church. We are not trying to be better than the church around the corner. Something I said yesterday, I said, I'm not trying to be the best in the game. All that I am trying to do, if any, is to, the best that I, to do the best that I can with the mandate that God has given me. Because God is not going to come and ask us, how, how many did you become better than? How many did you outshine? He's going to ask, did you do my word? Did you not walk away from the mirror, from your identity? Did you do what I have called you to do? What did God call us to do? To build. That's why we are built as church. And for as long as we exist, that's all we are going to do. We are going to build. Until when? Until Jesus comes. Because that's what he said we must do. To build. And that's what we are going to be doing. Everything that we are doing, everything that we exist for, everything that we'll spend our money on is to build. Building is not easy. You sweat. You spend yourself. You sacrifice. But unfortunately, that's what God has called us to do. We cheer them on who are doing something else. We celebrate them. We will even give towards them to help them succeed in their mandate. But our mandate is to build. Our mandate is, and if you are here in this church, you are saying, why do they have to do this? Why do they have to call me? Why do they have, why do they say I have to attend this class and attend? Why? Why do they have to have Monday, Sunday? What? That's who we are. We can't change that. Just so that we can be accepted. That's who we are. If, if, if we are not called for you and you walk away, it's okay. It means we were not called for each other. But if you are a true builder, you and I, we are going to hold hands and we are going to build together. Father, we thank you for our new identity in you. We thank you for assignment. We thank you for purpose. We thank you for destiny. We thank you for this great mandate that you have given us as Builders Church. 
to call labor with you Jesus to build your church and as you continue to grant us the grace the wisdom and the anointing to build we shall be committed to building we shall be committed oh God to fulfill the great commission by begetting many through the gospel by unveiling this gospel oh God to those who did not believe and to initiate them oh God in the name of Jesus Christ as we baptize them in the name of the Father the Son and of the Holy Spirit and to arise and to lead them oh God to shepherd your people and oh Father to equip them and raise them up so that they themselves can be delegated to do the same for others that's what we understand we exist for that's what we stand for and we are not going to fall for any other thing that comes our way but today as builders church we declare and we commit that oh father we will not forget the image that you have revealed of us as the church but even as individuals oh god help us to see us the way that you see us to see ourselves the way that you see us we pray that oh father in the name of jesus christ nothing will shift our focus away from who you are away from who you are revealing us to be in you we give you praise we thank you father and it is in jesus name that we pray and the people said amen and amen come on let's give jesus a big hand of praise thank you once again for listening to the message today we trust that you were blessed by it please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week Thank you very much and keep on building.